Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. May 28th and soon June will be here. Look out your windows. What do you see? Do you see a sea of green popping from the trees? It's happening. Things are wakening up, some slower than others. But spring is here. It is here. There's also something else that's here, if you look at the boulevards. It's the sea of yellow that's amongst the flowers. So this morning, listen to the sound of To the Dandelion. Dear common flower that grows beside the way, fringing the dusty road with harmless gold, first pledge the blissome may, which children pluck and full of pride uphold. Light-hearted buccaneers overjoyed they are, an Eldorado in the grass have found which not the rich earth's ample round match in wealth thou art more dear to me than all the prouder summer blooms may be. Gold such as thine never drew this Spanish prow through the primeval hush of Indian seas, nor wrinkled the lean brow of age to rob the lover's heart of ease. Tis the spring's largest which she scatters now to rich and poor alike with lavish hand. Thou, most hearts, never understand To take it at his value, but pass by The offered wealth with unrewarded eye Thou art my topics of mine Italy To look at thee unlocks the warmer clime The eye thou givest me Are in the heart and heed Not space or time Not in mid-June the golden caress bee Feels like more summer-like warm ravishment in the white lily's breezy tent, his fragrant cyberus than I, when first the dark green thy yellow circles burst. Then think I deep sleep shadows on the grass of meadows where in sun the cattle's graze, whereas the breezes passes by, the gleaming rushes lean a thousand ways, of leaves that slumber in a cloudy mass or whiten in the wind of blue waters that the distance sparkle through some woodland gap, and of a sky above, where one cloud lay stray lamb doth move. My childhood's earliest thoughts are linked with thee. The sight of thee calls back the robin's song, who, from the dark old tree beside the door, sang clearly all day long. And I, secure in childless piety, listened as I heard an angel sing, with news from heaven, which he could bring fresh every day to my untainted ears when birds and flowers and I were happy peers. How the prodigal doth nature seem when thou, for all thy gold so common art, thou teachest me to deem more sacredly of every human heart, since reflects in joy a scanty gleam of heaven and could wonder secret show. Did we but pay the love we owe with the child's undoubting wisdom look on all these living pages 
of his book. What is happening in your garden? Let's talk about it. Let's see what's happening. But I know even last night when I was out and about or the days before, you could so slowly see the popping of the dandelions. It was what inspired the poem this morning because it is a sea of yellow, especially if you're out my way down Ward Avenue on uh, the south end of the city. It is yellow. It actually looks very pretty. And if we consider that there's some people that considered weeds flowers, that is a whole discussion right there. Let's go right to the lines. We have our first caller. Good morning, John. Good morning. Good morning. And I have to ask you, where are you calling from? Uh, Winnipeg. Well, it looks like a little cloudy day today, and we got some moisture last night. So uh, it's a good morning to be on the Lawn and Garden Show, because I think gardens are wet right now. <laughs> right. I was over How- at your shop last yesterday, but you're away, I guess. I was looking for um, lady slippers. Yeah. You've got yellow ones, but I'm looking for, I've got yellow ones. I'm looking for a different color, like white, blue, or pink or something. Have you, do you know where a person could pick some up or who would have um, them? I don't know who would have the different colors. I know the person that who does the the propagation that has the licensing for the yellows that we have, um, we get from him all the time. The other colors are a little bit harder, and uh, it is not in favor to pick these up out of the wild for uh, propagation. Um, they are a secured, safe plant in the wild for a lot of people. So I do not know. I've been trying for a couple of years to get some of the different pinks and that kind of stuff because um, they are beautiful. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, there's yellows, pinks, and the whites, and uh, even some of the natural ones. If you like that category of plants, you may be also interested in getting, um, if there's any blue flag. I know mom and dad, uh, good morning, mom, had a farm, and they also had lady slippers that were on there. And I remember they were just beautiful when you visited, and they were in the ditch lines and all that kind of stuff. But it is truly a beautiful flower. But where can a person get some, or do you know? I do not know, but if you want to leave your name and number with the switchboard here on the thing, what we can do is, um, I know that I wouldn't be able to get them this year, but I can definitely try and source because we've had two or three people in already this year looking for pinks. So okay. if there's a little bit of higher demand, then maybe I'll do a little bit more digging and see where we can get them legally, okay? Okay. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. And this kind of follows suit with our conversation because lady slippers are our natural flowers. They're natural flowers, but in some aspects, so are the dandelions. So is the lady slipper a weed or like our dandelion? Because we classified the dandelions as a weed, right? They're here. And if you look at the history of our dandelions, they've been around for hundreds of years and they're not even native to our area. Some people um, think of them as those ugly yellow flowers that sort of invade their gardens and they're trying to eliminate them. And trying to remove them is probably, if you're wanting to remove them, is to do it early so that those long tap roots don't uh, take hold in our heavy clay soils. And if you're trying to remove them, maybe today is good because we know that picking weeds always becomes easier when the soil is a little bit wet. Try and do it from the side because we know that we don't want to walk in uh, our gardens too much when they are wet because we're just adding that compaction. But if you look at the dandelion, 
just like some of our other flowers which have the weed in the name. It belongs in part of the aster family, the asteracea family, if I'm saying that right. And some people even um, bring it back. I think my a uh, little bit of my French native grandmother used to um, call it a different name. And I know that it's also called, if I say it with a little French accent, Dent de Lion, which is a tooth of lion or lion tooth. And you have to understand that some of these plants that are in there are awesome. It's a cloudy sort of morning, so if you're not in your garden quite yet, let it drain away. And let's talk about gardening. Yes, someone's weeds may be a little bit of a favorite, or sometimes even perennials have a little bit of a weed aspect. It's just in the eye of the beholder. We're going to go right back to the line. Steve yeah, is maybe. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. I'm calling from Versailles out here. You're calling from here? I got my already. It was wonderful. Got all planted. And the grass grows so much after the moon. It's about a foot high. We've got a couple more than one. But, you know, I, I phoned, uh, I think, last year about those, uh, that fire blight, eh? You know, it killed all my fruit trees. And it killed my lilac too. And now I want to buy, I want to put new fruit trees in, you know? So I'm wondering... Uh, is there any way to treat the new trees that they don't get that or just have to watch out for dead branches again? Well, if you want to prevent, and fire blight is a very hard thing once you've got it. It's hard to go through. Uh, if you want to be a proactionary area of it, it's sometimes, uh, I think you've heard me mention, um, there is a dormant oil sulfur spray that we usually apply to trees and shrubs uh, early in the spring prior to the leaf breaking and we also apply it at the end of the season after the leaves have fallen before it goes into winter dormancy. Uh-huh. So some of those are uh, aspects that you can go through it. But when you do get it, the diligence is being proactionary and removing the diseased limbs at that time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's it's, the best thing, right? Yeah. You know what? The, I think fire blight and also, uh, I know years ago, and it's hard to consider, but even when we had the Schubert choke cherries, that the Schubert choke cherries, when we had that black, black knot that's on there. Yeah, um, I've seen that too, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And once you sort of see that on your trees, it's the same thing. You want to do elimination of those branches. Yeah. And the other, and the other thing too, Steve, is when we find that, um, if we find that you are doing your pruning, you're going to have to make sure that you do uh, bleach uh, dips of your secateurs or pruners prior to uh, doing your cuts. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, and I have lots of dandelions. I like dandelions. I don't spray for them. Lot, well, dandelions. They think they're weeds, you know, but I like them. You know, I have sheep. I let the sheep oh. in the yard, and they eat the dandelions right down to the knob, you know. Leave the grass beside them. They love the dandelions, eh? You know, dandelions, well, you can make shallow leaves, and you can uh, use the flowers to make wine, eh, you know? Yes, yes, it's exactly true, because they're, um, I actually was Googling this morning some dandelion recipes just to sort of see what's on there, and the diversity. So if you have, if you have the means to get on, on, to look up some of the recipes, take a look at them, because that could be a natural way of, uh, eliminating some of them, because Historically, if you look at the dandelion, it was not originally uh, in North America. It came over from Europe hundreds of years ago. And uh, apparently our cultivars, maybe because it's our North American temperatures, but our leaves don't get apparently as big as the ones over overseas. Uh But 
It is one plant that started in Europe and is now uh, all over the world. Yeah, you just well, the sparrows we have. Those are sparrows. They come from out there too, apparently. Eh? So, yeah. Which ones? It's yeah. hard to hear. It's hard to hear you. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, those sparrows they come from overseas too, I think. Eh? Just uh, like oh. partridges, apparently they come from Europe too, right? Well, this, you mean the sparrow birds, right? Yeah, the birds, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I, oh, and you know what? I can see that I've got a couple trying to nest in my, uh, in my building here, and I think they're, they're, you know what? I have visions of going to visit my grandmother at the farm, and the uh, barn swallows used to mm. swoop yeah. at me, so they're one bird I really don't like. <laughs> yeah. No, I used to see a lot of snowy owls. Last year, I only seen one, you know? All the uh, next year be extinct, you know. Wow! Like, yeah. You know, like the weather's changing, eh? you know. Like Madagascar, that's a big island west of uh, east of uh, Africa. They cut all the forest down there. In Brazil, they cut half the forest. In Borneo, they cut a lot of forest. In Bolivia, they cut all the forest, the big trees. You know, that's why we got all the problem with weather change. They cut all the trees down. Well, you know what? In nature itself, I think what we need to do is take care of itself. Oh, I'm, yeah. your... I'm just saying, yeah. you know, the cutting all the trees on it's not good, you know? Like, plants are very healthy for us because they, they absorb the carbon dioxide and carbon, the carbon dioxide that the vehicles produce, right? And they produce oxygen for us to live, you know? Yeah. We need plants. Plants are very important. I agree. I agree. You know what, Steve? I'm going to have to let you go because I'm getting a really bad back feed here on our system here. It's yeah, hard to yeah. hear you. No problem. That okay. Okay. Thank you for calling. I think, Steve, next time I, we have got to get a better line because I love the conversation that we had. It, it's the diversity of all the different plants that are out there. So, yes, dandelions, they're nutritious. Have you tasted one? They're tasty. They're reportedly tasty. I'm, I am one that have not ventured into doing a dandelion salad, but after looking at some of the ones online, I am totally tempted because in a lot of the mixtures, and I will be the first to admit, if there are a bunch of uh, varieties, and if you're not, uh, have you, if you have not sown your lettuces yet, go and take a look at some of the lettuce mixtures that are out there in your garden centers. There's musclin mixes, romaine lettuces, leaf lettuce, butter crunch lettuce, and they are so easy to grow. And I have to admit, some of them, when you go to the grocery store and you're getting your blended mixes, yes, some of them are a little bitter. So even maybe, have you made a dandelion salad before? I don't know if the leaf would be a little bitter, but if you're buying it from the grocery store and it's a little bitter, why don't we pick some from our yard? but make sure you have not sprayed it with anything. Do the diligence, and you're actually helping to reduce your grocery bill. It's a win-win. Hey, we're going to try it. And it might be something too, because educating and teaching kids, so it's something maybe that we can take the grandchildren out and go do some of that. Now, if I have a sister, or maybe you have a sister or brother that when you were very, very little, Do you remember making dandelion crowns or flower crowns? They worked really well. They were fun to wear. They were fun to make. It takes you back to nature when you're doing something like that, right? So even as a child, you learn that there is a use for a dandelion that's in it. 
you may have nibbled on some of it. Just like the salvia flowers, when your parents said, if you pull the small little salvia pellet off those deep red blooms, there was a sweetness to it. And now you understand why the hummingbirds are attracted to them so much. So dandelion salad or the dandelion wine. The dandelion wine has a beautiful golden yellow color to it. Or reportedly, and I've never known that before, but you can actually take the roots of a dandelion, boil them and steep them and make coffee and like a tea or a coffee out of that. I never knew that. Did you? And in some areas, they actually use some of this for medicinal purposes. So there has to be something, if it dates back into the 17th and 18th century, there's something going on there with that plant. We're going to go right to the lines. Uh, Patricia is waiting. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. I was just wondering what my mature fir trees have turned brown over the winter, and I was wondering what I could do for them. Okay. With trees, and it particularly hits your evergreens, your cedars, your junipers, yeah. is um, it's it's sometimes caused by two different things. Lack of moisture going into the winter where the cells have not got enough moisture in those. And it seems weird that these waxy little needles would have all this moisture, but they need yeah. the importance of moisture in it. And the other thing that is, is our winter winds, when they reflect onto white snow, it actually sometimes opens up the pores of these and then you get the cooler winds at night that act as a desiccant to take that moisture out of those leaf cells. So Patricia, what I want you to do is uh, moisture is key, but we're all going to have a chuckle right now because we've been so wet for so long. So if there's, if there's moisture in the ground uh, starting probably next week, you could start doing a little bit of fertilizer you can put some aluminum sulfate into there to help green up the new gr- growth that's going to be in there because the other thing that we're going to see with all the high moisture in the ground is there is going to be a suspect that there will be a little bit of uh, yellowing maybe of our leaf structures because if we have situations that are really, really wet, sometimes the soils get bound up that they can't take up the natural organic nutrients from the soil so it's important for us to start fertilizing our trees and our shrubs giving them that little bit of extra food in order to save and to defer maybe that yellowing that could potentially come okay so Mm -hmm. fertilize fertilize have you and i have a question for you um have you seen and because i haven't seen it yet but the new buds have not opened up yet so no i haven't Okay, so the other thing is there's, it's like a, a color scale. There's like light dusting of you know, rusting color or there's that heavy, heavy, it is brownie red, crisp, and all the needles are falling off. So what scale would you be at on your plants? I, I, I think I'm at the brownie red, but I don't think the needles are falling off yet. Okay, so if they're okay. brownie, if they're kind of a brownie red, um, yeah. it depends on the degree because I have in, you know, a few years of experience, I've actually seen where new bud growth will still come off those branching. Uh-huh. And if the new bud growth opens up, it 
uh-huh. it will it will take a number of years for that new greenery to hide the browning. Okay. Okay. And okay. And in some cases, in some cases, if it's really really extreme, you sometimes will get a disfigured shrub. But I always think if if half of it is alive, uh-huh. and I can do something creative with it, I'd rather baby and t- care for that plant than to rip out a plant that still has oh. a chance. Oh yeah, I've got I've bought some of those um, f- fertilizer stakes. Yep. Would that be good to bore a hole into them and put them down in in the ground? Yes. If you have, um, it's two trains of thoughts on there too as well. Granular fertilizer and the fertilizer stakes are wonderful. But when you you put them in, you want to put them at the drip zone. And do you know what the drip zone is? No. That's the outer edge. Just think if you're, if your hands were the outer edges of your branches and you put them out as far as you went, if oh. I put a if I put a plumb bob or a string and hung it straight down from the outer branches, yeah. that is that's the outer parameter or the drip zone of it. Oh. So you would be oh, putting okay. those stakes around the outside where the where the roots are finer. Okay. 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 So I don't have to go like underneath the fir tree and and by the by the trunk. No. No. That's, yeah. That's oh, your okay. big. Yeah, closer to the trunk is where you have your bigger roots, the harder roots, and they're more woodier. Yeah. Your finer roots are at your drip zone. Those are the ones that oh, are really okay. radiating outwards. So you're going to take that up. And okay. um, as it waters, it's going uh-huh. to absorb. And like, you know, your your fertilizer is going to slowly dissipate from that spike okay. type. And, how, and a big fir tree, how many would you put around them? I think that's on there is one stake for every two centimeters of girth okay. at, chest, at chest height. Okay. So measure at chest height, and I think yeah. uh, I think I've got it right on that one. But um, one stake, and then you don't put it all on one side. Go evenly around the outside. Uh, either one one stake for how? Every two every centi- two. two centimeters at chest height. Okay, very good. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah, Bye-bye. you too. Enjoy the weekend. And before we take this message. Um, the other thing that you can do is just think of it this way. Your uh, steaks or your granular fertilizer is like your meal. It's your staple. It's always You're always going to get your three meals a day, which is your steak or your granular. It's always going to be there. But what is very nutritious is if I have a vitamin that, or if I'm watering something up that's always going to go through. So if you want to give that instant little boost that's in there, always a liquid fertilizer or something that you're going to water it in as a liquid application, it's going to effectively work faster. So even though you're putting your garden stakes and your granular stuff that's in there, beneficial liquid application, it's drawn up faster with the liquid into the cells that go into the activity of that connecting tissue of your trees. There's a little tip for you. This is already a good conversation. I love it because the different things that are happening. And it's true because even with the moisture, and I know last two years we were considered into a deep drought, it is beneficial that we do get the moisture back in the ground. So every day that it rains, I'm like, oh no, we can't get into our gardens a little bit. 
So if you can't get into your gardens, there's opportunity. There's always the goodness of the side that tells you, you know, the reversal, yin and yang. If I can't get into my garden, I'm going to do my container pots because it is now gardening season. I think we're out of that uh, edge of area where we're, I'm not going to say the, the, the kind of the F word is in frost, but I think we're past that. So now there is opportunity for window boxes, hanging baskets, containers. Let's make the front entrances of our homes look beautiful because as you heard on a commercial, this is the year of the garden for 2022. It's a celebration of 100 years of horticulture in our province. So let's make it beautiful. So if we make it beautiful, here's a question. A dandelion could be a garden. It could be considered beautiful. What is a garden? What is your garden? A garden can be anything. A garden could be lawn. A garden could be vegetables, just all vegetables. There was someone in the other day that uh, we were talking, and I love the conversation because we're always learning together. The importance of flowers or no flowers. There was a lady that was in, same age as me, and she said, and I said I loved it because my dad and mom always did marigolds, salvia, in the garden. We always had flowers along the little strip of space in the front. But she said, flowers were never wasted. There was no money for flowers, but it was always vegetables on the farm because that's what supported our family. And I remember my grandmother had a huge garden, always too, because yes, she had to support a very large family of kids. So what is your garden? Lawn, vegetables, perennials, these are all planted into the ground. But don't forget, your garden could be a patio, beautiful. It could be a porch, it could be on your deck, or it could be as simple as an herb garden on your window. So a garden is what is in your mind that is beautiful. You can create it. And I can just envision all the different planters that are out there and what is happening that's out. So think of your gardening. If you can't get into the garden, plant a pot today. Plant something that's in there or visit the garden centers that you're close to. There is beauty in that. You will be inspired. Now, there's a couple things too that are happening and I want you to take notice. Some of the trees and shrubs that are budding, but some of this beautiful color is going to be happening soon too. If you missed the last show, I have a sister who is down south that sent me the gorgeous pictures of her cherry trees. Yes, she is in a warmer zone. So don't go out thinking that your cherry trees are not blooming yet. Or if you have a very good microclimate, maybe they are. Maybe they're setting their buds. But spring flowering shrubs or trees will inspire you because it gives you that hint that summer is here. So if you're looking for landscaping and you need a pop of color, or maybe you want some extra pollinators for your apple trees or what else, look for flowering plums, ornamental plums. Pink frosting is beautiful. Forsythia, which is a little bit different than all our other flowering shrubs. The forsythia will give you a burst of bright yellow, but the leaves come secondary to the blooms. Unlike everything else, the leaves come first, then your blossoms. 
a little venture down into our nursery, looking through the pathways this way and that. I was blessed by looking at the flowering almond, the beautiful pink blossoms that are happening on them right now in our containers. It's beautiful just to sit and watch and see the bees bouncing from one to the other. Rosy blooms, cherries, and soon your early French lilacs will come into play, followed then by your your Japanese tree lilacs, because they will also be flowering after your regular ones. Now a little hint too, do, if you're doing a little bit of light pruning because of branching, just remember, don't prune your forsythia, don't prune your lilacs, because you'll be foregoing your blooms for this year. And we want our blossoms. We want to be inspired by what's happening out in through the gardens. So that's going to be happening. So take a look. The trees are turning green and soon flowers will be coming too. Now, when we were talking about our dandelions, I know I'm fixated on dandelions today because I think I was inspired by this sea of yellow along the, the causeway on Ward Avenue. But if you look at perennials, and perennial gardening is very popular. Now, if you're new to gardening, there was a question, and I had a little bit of a chuckle. We had a girl that was in, and she said, I'd like to have flowers all the time. Where is your annual section? And yes, it's kind of confusing, because an annual, would you not think that an annual means it comes back annually? No. I know, in our horticultural, it's kind of, okay, maybe we worded it wrong. But the annuals are the ones that grow within one season. Your perennials are the ones that come back year after year. Now, just remember, zone three concept, it should come back year after year. Perennials, zone three, should come back year after year. But weather plays a factor of that and in looking in some of your gardens too some perennials are slow hostas may not be up in certain areas of your garden where they could be fully out and maybe open leaf already if you have perennial hibiscus not tropical hawaii hibiscus yes there is a perennial hibiscus that is in a little bit of a out of our zone zone four that you can create a microclimate for if you have those they are very, very slow because they are a dedicated warm season perennial, which means it has to have sustained heat and a lot of heat to get them to break from their bud form off of their root stem. So do not, and I'm going to say do not, if you think that they're not coming up and you've planted those, give them time. It has been a very late spring. It's been a very wet spring. So there is that heat that needs to inspire to get things popping and growing. But perennials add a lot of diversity to our gardens. And when you look at the perennials, are they weeds? Maybe. Joe Pye weed, Eupatorium. Bishop's gout weed, Agiopotum. They have weeds in their names, but we love them. They serve a purpose for gardening in different areas. Joe Pye weed. And the cultivars around that vary from three foot, yes, to six foot high. If you ever want something that is dramatic for the back spot, and if it's not in a dry area, it stays very well contained. If it's in a little bit more of a wetter site, 
you're going to get a glorious big show. And ranging from these, and what I'm telling you is the Joe Pied Eupatorium series, very strong stemmings. I have uh, uh, two Westie, I had two Westie puppies, and they would not be able to run through the stemming of it because it was like thick bamboo sheeting that was on it. But the glory of it was the six-foot height with these plumes of pink clouds that were up above. Maybe six-foot high is too high for you. Try maybe some of the Joe Pie or Baby Joe, which gives you that three- to four-foot length or height that's on there because it gives you opportunity to have something that looks the same. But maybe your landscape gardening is not as deep. Your beds aren't as deep, so you're not going to carry something that goes from six foot to nothing right at the front of your bed. So it gives you that scale. And, of course, Bishop's Goatweed for the shade, very long rambler. It will crawl and it will creep and it will do lots of different shade covering for you and prevent weeds from growing underneath. All right, because that's a different coverage. Let's see. We have Rose on the line. Good morning, Rose. Hi. Good morning. I'm calling from Winnipeg, and I'm inquiring about a perennial that I've had about 10 years. And it starts to bloom or gets buds when the snow falls. It's supposed to bloom July and August. It's the monk's hood. Oh, yes. And it never, like, it doesn't start budding till September, October. What can I do to get it to, to start earlier? Okay, well, monkshood is also known as aconitum, and uh, there are different varieties. Do you have the old-fashioned napolis that's supposed to, When it does flower, is it like a deep purple? Well, it's a, well I, the first time I saw the bloom was when I took it uh, and cut the, uh, the bud off and brought it in a house, and it's a light blue, gray. Light blue. blue. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah, there's different varieties of them. They almost look like, like they grow very much like a delphinium. Sometimes people think the same leaf is like a delphinium, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, is it in deep, deep shade? No, it's in, in sunlight. And oh, I okay, moved cause... it uh, a couple years ago to try different spots, but the same okay. thing happened. Now, does it get lush and full, or does it, is it a smaller growing each time? No, it's lush and full. It's very healthy. Okay. Um, are you fertilizing? Uh, some, I guess. Some? Okay. Because normally monkshood should be in bloom uh, July. Right. That's in there. And so there could be something in your soil that's delaying that. If it's lush and lots of green growth, it may be a very nutrient area, which is delaying because if you're high in organics or nitrogen side, we see that sometimes we get the lush, full growth, but it slows the delay of blooming aspect that's on there. Um, changing your location and still getting the same effect makes me wonder if there's something else that's happening that's in there. Yeah, because normally those should be in bloom in July for sure, and uh, that's in there. I'm going to have to investigate further because monkshood is quite supposed to be i'm sorry to say rose it's supposed to be an easy perennial to grow and flower so (laughs) you throw me for a loop on this one okay yeah um if you have not fertilized then what i'm going to say let's try fertilizing it with like a 15 30 15 high middle number okay so stay away from your uh, high nitrogen because 
If that's not the case and it's still not flowering, then let's try and boost it with a 15-30-15, which we would normally use for annuals to give them a kickstart because annuals are heavy, heavy feeders. So that high middle number of your NPK fertilizer ratio is a good feed for that. So try doing that, okay? Okay. Okay, and the other thing too, um, if it's not blooming, do you get the bloom sets but they never open? They never open because then the snow, the frost and the snow hit. Oh, okay. Cause, it's that late. Yeah. I used to have monkshood um, uh, previous to my husband's 30 by 40 garage going up. I had a beautiful <laughs> patch of them. And they would never open up because, A, whenever the bud set started to form, it almost looks like um, the bud set is curled up in with the flowers, right? So... We would have to, ha- we would always find a bug in there. So check and see if there's a bug in there. And if there is, do a little bit of a squish with your fingers and then let me know on the next show, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, when I brought the buds in uh, to, to the house, they opened up. There was no bugs or anything. It was okay. beautiful. It opened up in the house, but like it was snow outside. <laughs> okay. Well, they're, they're telling me I have to end right now, but what I want you to do is try 15, 30, 15, and then call me in September and let me know how things are going. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, everyone. We are learning and growing together. We'll be back next Saturday on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.